Hi everyone, it's Mal. And this is AJ here with Multi, and we're here to give you the mole tea. This right here is an inside look at how we're building and launching a wellness startup. Hi everyone, it's Mal here, and this is chapter two. We'll be formatting the next few episodes a little bit differently, so expect me to pop in, expect me to pop in now and then. I wanted to start this episode by sharing something that another founder had shared with me last year. So last year I had gone on a call with another founder, Jamika, from Rosen Skincare. Shout out to Rosen. And it was just a call to meet. She had shared with me something that stuck with me since then. Basically, we're talking about how hard it is to be a founder of any business. And she had shared something along the lines of, you have to be okay with failing and failing most likely multiple times per day to be able to do this. And if you're not okay with that and you can't recover from that and, you know, pick yourself up and keep going, then this journey will be really, really difficult for you. And I remember when she said that it stuck with me because at that point we were going through a lot in the business, which we'll get into in this episode. But I wanted to share that for any other founders that are out there who may be feeling like shit just seems to keep going wrong (laughs) because that's just kind of the name of the game. And something you'll see is a very common theme throughout the next, well, probably all episodes. But anyway, we're going to get started with this episode, starting off with last spring. So this is when we were having our first team retreat. It was basically getting our team together in person for the first time to spend time together. And mind you, when we say team, it's not several full-time people. It was anyone who was helping us in small but impactful ways at the time, whether that was advising or being connectors helping with creative, etc. And this is how we felt about that experience. I had a great time. It was beautiful. Like it was the first time seeing mountains with ice on top of them. So I was just, you know, I thought it was cute. And it was also my birthday a few weeks before. So we had a cute little cake and like, but it was definitely business as usual. Like we had a lot to cover. So, and we'll we'll cover what we covered. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it was cute because it was really nice to be able to talk to the team in person about the business, but then also bond. And I remember the one conversation that like really sticks in my mind is I think it was like later at night and conversations always end up drifting back to like parental trauma and like, you know, like what it's like being children of immigrants. And we were like, here we are talking shit about our parents and yet we still all want to like retire them and we still want to take care of them. And I thought that was just so funny to me because I was just like, in what work environment can I like have this conversation with all these people that really understand and are kind of navigating life in the same lens with the same lens that I am. And I just thought that was so funny. So it was really nice to be able to bond with everyone separately personally as well yeah I feel the same way it was really nice to be able to get everybody together to bond together as Nina said there was a very strong through line of parental trauma immigrant parent (laughs) trauma that that everybody just really really resonated with and I remember talking to I can't remember if it was maybe Marielle but 
we were talking about how it was basically like a big therapy session that entire weekend of getting everybody together because it was just like bonding over all of these experiences but also processing them in a way but also feeling better about ourselves because we're like oh we're not alone in this there were some like difficult conversations in in that weekend too that I feel like we ended up unpacking later on and like having to address but I feel like overall it was really cool to just have people together and also to imagine what it would be like to work in say like an office setting with people who you genuinely really do like and care about and you know have your back and know have your best interest at heart because I feel like thinking about other corporate spaces that I have worked in before it's just not like that it's they aren't spaces where they will care for you genuinely or care about where you're at and want for you to feel good in the space that you're working in so I thought that helped me like contextualize what it would be like to have a team also just because it was a group of women of color and like that was really inspiring I guess one last thing about the retreat was the jeopardy situation <laughs> should because only because Nina you talked about it in the last episode yeah. let's briefly touch on it's that. not that serious it's not that serious but it was uh, a learning curve for me um, <laughs> I was so excited to create this jeopardy I had AJ give me like a bunch of like the questions and answers or statements whatever um, because I want it to be based off of like our mission and like how well our team like knew multi it wasn't supposed to be a quiz it was just supposed to be fun. Um, <laughs> and I had, a Virgo. Yeah, but I'm a Virgo. I was really excited about this because I'd recently done a baby sh- or I went to a baby shower and we did like a fun Jeopardy. So I was like, this will be fun. And I wanted to replicate that energy. But me being a Virgo, I got like really intense about it. And I was like, no, that's like not the key. Me- that's like not the key messaging word for word. Just don't do what I did. If you intend to do a group activity that's fun, let it be fun. Um, <laughs> it turned like way more intense than it w- it had to. So I feel like that was my personal scar from the retreat and a big learning experience for me is that I can come off very intense about things sometimes and to to scale it back. But yeah, I had to like issue some apologies after that because I was like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to make you feel some type of way. I was not coming for you. Yeah, that definitely made me feel bad because I was like, I am supposed to be a leader in this and I don't want to leave the people on our team feeling like I'm judging them for not knowing some of these things. So yeah, that was just, that was, if, if you want a, uh, what is it? Key business learning. A KBL. <laughs> don't do a, yeah, a KBL, if you will. Don't do intense Jeopardy. Let it be fun and focus, <laughs> focus the retreat on bonding. And um, I mean, it was important that we covered the business stuff, but it, it also wasn't that serious. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I and find it, it really funny that my theme for all of this is that like, I was like, I had a good time with Jeffrey. <laughs> like, I didn't even realize. <laughs> I am so glad that you had a great time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like what's important is the after, right? Like, did we acknowledge, did we talk about it? Did we move forward kind of thing? Because I feel like, which is a KBL, shit will never always be smooth. <laughs> things will always be rocky at some point or another and so I feel like especially for us is what we like to practice is communicating about it no matter how like difficult or like vulnerable those conversations may be and also trying to see our contributions to what has happened I feel like 
every one of us is very open to that and very open to like calling even ourselves out on things that might happen. And I feel like that's something that's so important to every team that's out there to be able to survive, especially with a team, if you're going to stay with that team. But yeah, that was just a, it was a funny, funny moment. (laughs) So after this, literally the next day, we shot some of our first imagery with our multi-patch, which some of you may have seen that imagery and some of you who haven't, you will see a launch, which is September 19th at 919 coming very soon. Here's how that felt and a little shout out. To be on set with everybody and to just kind of go through that, I feel like the creative space is just something that I've been so entrenched in for the past 10 years that it was really fun to create something for us and to be in that process of being on set. That's where Allison really flourishes. So it was nice to see her like take charge. Allison, shout out to you. Thank you for all you do for Multi. It was really, really cool to see that. So post-shoot then came some big conversations about where Multi would be based. It's interesting looking back at this time and thinking how impactful these next few decisions would be on all of our journeys with Multi, but also how quickly everything happened. It also put a lot of things into perspective for Neens regarding how important stability was in this new stage of her life, which was motherhood. Here she is talking a little bit about that. So I feel like this, it came so quickly. It came so quickly because we were talking about, okay, where do we want to be based? And we kind of settled on LA for like a number of reasons. We started planning our first event. And I think that was kind of the big catalyst for me in terms of when I would be moving to LA. Because when we first started this whole thing, like the first conversations that I had with Mal, like months prior, we knew that, like she asked me, are you okay with moving to the States? Because it it is a US-based company you will eventually have to move there. And I was like, 100%, I was raised there. And so I've always wanted to go back. And I always wanted to live at LA in some point in my life. And so I knew this move was coming. I thought it was going to be much later. At this point, we're talking like spring, looking at the prices of Airbnbs. And I was like, if we're going to be there for like a month, two months for the event, for meetings to set up an office, like, doesn't it just make sense then for me to move? And I made all of these decisions on my own. And then I told my husband after, (laughs) and he's great. And that he's very, very, very supportive. And is just like, whatever you want to do, like I'm in this ride with you. So that was amazing. But I didn't anticipate how hard it would be on me on my family to do this move so quickly, because by the time that it was solidified, like, okay, I'm going to move to LA, it was literally like two weeks before we were going to go. And that's me having to pack up my house, figure out what I'm going to do with this apartment. Um, We were moving our cat down there, obviously my son down there. And it was all very exciting. And because I'd moved so many times before, I, I just have so much experience. Like me and my husband have so much experience packing things up and moving, but it's always stressful. And doing a cross country move was very stressful. So my husband drove the U-Haul. Actually, my husband and I, yeah, we, we drove together We've done so many U-Haul drives. I can't remember which ones he's done by himself and which ones we've done together, but we drove it down together. And that was his first time ever driving a trailer. It was very stressful, but we found like what seemed like the perfect home. 
And it was definitely kind of out of budget. It was like very expensive, but I was trusting the process and it felt like it was perfect. It was a really cute, like Spanish style home. And at this point, I'm feeling like everything is lining up. Everything is as it's supposed to be. There's a lot of unknowns, but I had enough money saved that it didn't feel too stressful that I was like, am I going to survive? Like that question never crossed my mind. It was more just like, okay, like this is really happening right now. And so I think moving to LA now that I look back on it is really kind of like the start and the catalyst of like, for me personally, when things started getting really out of hand for me, because before this, I was working from home. I mean, I was working from home. I was working from the mall. I would like sit, (laughs) I would sit like in the food court area. And that's the only place I could charge my computer. I work from different coffee shops. And then finally I bit the bullet and got like a WeWork membership, but we were really scrappy in terms of like where we were working from. And so before that I was like managing and I had kind of like a stable schedule and it made sense for like my family life and my work-life balance, even though we were working so much, sometimes I would leave the second that my son wakes up and come back like right before he goes to sleep. And as hard as that was, I was still coming home to the same home every night. And it was pretty easy to manage, but moving to LA was definitely, it really started like a snowball of uncertainty and stressors that were personal and also business at the same time. I mean, the decision had to come about really, really quickly. And I think my personal impulsive nature definitely fueled part of that. And I've learned from that experience. (laughs) I think it's just because I've made so many impulsive decisions in my life that have worked out really, really, really well for me that this felt like another one of those. But the main difference is that having a family changes everything. So then Nina started her move to LA. I was going to be making my way over soon for an event that we were putting on. And little did we know there was a shitstorm brewing and waiting to unleash on us. <laughs> this is where everything seemed to take a 180, which brings us back to the opening quote. If you're not okay with failing, failing multiple times per day, the founder path might not be the one for you. It also makes me think of how people would always say you really need to be passionate about what you're creating and how true that felt and still does feel. You really, really need to love it to be able to persist. Otherwise, the journey itself can take you down. So the cases were being shipped to our friend's office because when we had to give an address to the manufacturers to ship, we didn't have an office address. So we had another person's address and we shipped everything there. I feel like it was Dayon that went to go pick up the inventory, brought it back to the office. A lot of them were not up to par in terms of quality. So this was disaster number one, the QC disaster, which is the quality check disaster. So as we're going through all these quantities and we only had received a partial amount of our entire shipment because it was coming in two batches, which was probably only like one third of it. So many of them had these little nicks and damages and like the damages, some of them were bad, but they weren't so, so bad. However, we are very anal about what it is that we are giving to people and what we are selling to people. And also the color was slightly off from the approved sample. So that was something that was just really, it was, it did not make us happy. It was, it was 
very frustrating. And in talking to other people, they're like, those those aren't big deals. Like those those things are okay. Like they're not that bad. However, like I said, for us, it's a quality check thing of where if we're going to be selling something to someone, if we're going to be giving something to someone, we always want to make sure that it is the best that we could potentially give them, whether it is a case or it is a formula, you know, whatever it might be. Clearly, we care about experience. And y'all should be QCing that. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're selling a product, QC it. Like, do it, do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And which is the funny thing is that they do QC. But then when I had been in contact with them after the fact and basically getting really, really angry at them, they were like, well, we did a QC. And I'm like, well, who who is QCing this stuff? Because this shit is not up to par. Like, what is your standard? Because this isn't. This isn't what we would want to sell. I think it ended up being something like maybe 30% acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't have that many quantity at the time. So we were like, okay, hopeful, maybe all the rest of the inventory that's going to come in is better. And if anything, we can sell some of this at a discounted cost. Like that's, that's what we can do. Some of it was unsellable for sure. I would say probably like, 15% 15% of it was for sure not sellable. However, some of it we were like, okay, we can try and sell this eventually to at least recover the cost. And then hopefully the new inventory that comes in is a little bit better. So since this all happened, I've heard a lot of similar stories from other founders. It's funny how when it's happening to you though, you feel like the most massive failure. The key learning from this, which I will now never forget, one QC everything, especially if overseas, use a third-party quality control company to assess your inventory before it ships. And another key learning, take your learnings and improve on them next time. But all the QC panic that just had happened, that was just the beginning of the week of the shitstorm. Nina and, and Allison go to pick it up. They text me that or you called me I can't remember which one it, it was. probably started with a text because I don't think we thought it was as intense as it was gonna be we were just like oh weird like where is it like yeah. does maybe her neighbor have it like is it inside yeah. like we don't see it yet and then it was like wait fudge where is this and so then it, yeah, the fuck. phone call started it's- yeah <laughs> yeah get swear on this one <laughs> okay fuck where is it because it's nowhere to be seen nobody knows anything about these cases the cameras apparently don't work in the building mm-hmm. um and it was just like we were checking the trash cans mm-hmm. we were checking the alley like we were freaking out because this is so much money and it was just so bewildering because it's like these cases are heavy so like who went out of these they're out of their way to move them yes one the boxes each weighed about 23 to 26 pounds and there were i believe 15 of them so somebody went out of their way to carry this this is what how many how many even pounds that's hundreds of pounds of of individual boxes of individual boxes of random silver metal things because we haven't launched it it's not like you can steal it and then resell it because no one knows who what is it yeah Yeah. (laughs) so so i they text me or call me and they're like it's not here and then i think i think allison called me and then because i remember just being like what do you mean they're not there? Like they were there. Jules' neighbor said that they saw them there. And where are they? Like what? What? Like I don't understand. 
And so they're searching for a while. I think at this point, I'm just trying not to believe that they're not going to be there because I'm like this in my mind. What was going on was that we can't launch without this because I was still so hopeful. I was like, somebody has answers because I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Like we were like, okay, someone must have put it in another room. Someone must have like, I don't even know. And then then it got really sad I think that was probably the point where I started probably crying and then I remember Nina and Alice printing out posters some wanted signs yeah some (laughs) wanted signs missing boxes we will give a reward just return them and then they end up going back there and posting them on every door in the building because like Nina said the building manager said that their cameras don't well she never admitted that their cameras don't work she was like ask the security companies security companies like ask the landlord and then it's just like okay clearly just admit that they're fake cameras they they don't and so then Nina and Allison put up the posters in the office and then or on the office doors and then one of their neighbors ends up calling us and being like oh I saw some guys standing beside your boxes and like this and that and it basically became a mystery of the building and he was like let let me know if you have an update I'm like sir no I am stressed enough right now we're just trying to find the things I'm not trying to update you there's no tea here okay it's stressful (laughs) Uh, but then that was a moment where it was just like we lost literally almost a hundred thousand dollars worth in revenue from that loss of inventory and the sad thing about it is that the shipment was insured but the products weren't insured. So if the shipment hadn't had been delivered with proof of delivery, then we would have been covered by the insurance on the shipment. However, because it got it went missing after the fact that it had already been delivered, there was no recovering costs from that loss. And in the grand scheme of things, was it a lot of money? Like, in the grand scheme of things, probably not. However, for us in this moment, it was because one, it was our initial product that we were going to launch with. And two, we don't have that much money in the first place to work with. So any loss is a loss for us it's in this huge. circumstance. It changed everything. So yeah, inventory lost. It was sad. It was definitely a huge learning and similar to the QC disaster, I've heard from many founders where similar things have happened. Again though, when it's happening to you, it just hits different. I think it also just shifted like hope, you know, like optimism and being like, I remember being like, fuck this place. Like who the fuck is like, stealing this shit from like why wouldn't you do that like why what what are you gonna do with it and I was all like, I know is LA. that they are definitely covered for quite some time <laughs> imagine we start seeing like bootlegs on the market of like right? and we did I remember we looked and we did Craigslist, and wait we really at, oh Oh, we saw, we remember our copycat. Maybe we'll, oh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, won't, yeah, yeah. we won't give them any. We won't give <laughs> yeah, them I was, I was like, she's one that stole it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what will they do with it? I remember we did look on Facebook Marketplace. We did look on Craigslist and could not find anything. And so we're just like, literally, what are you going to do with it? And that's why even on the posters, we're like, we'll give a reward. Like, you're literally not going to do anything with it. 
So just give it back. But that was the second big disaster, I would say, (laughs) or I know is definitely one. And so after that, I think, well, I don't think I know. It definitely just shifted, I think, energy and mood, especially for me. One, I was really angry at myself for not insuring the product. How did I insure the shipment and not the product? Like I was just like, how did I not think to do that? And so that was something that I was just beating myself up over. Yes, there are always things that you can do to prevent losses and things like that. But at the same time now, in retrospect, I wish I didn't put so much on myself for that happening because I think then my energy and my mood probably would have been different. However, that's all I was thinking in that moment was like, how could you let this happen? Not not even like, how how dare someone steal it? It's like, how dare could you let this happen? And I think that that's a KBL for founders out there. Yes, a lot of it is your responsibility. But when hard moments like that happen, work on letting them go faster versus letting them hold on to you so tightly and letting them affect you so much. And here is where I want to emphasize this, especially to founders. You will fail. You will make mistakes. Shit will go wrong. Remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Don't bog yourself down with the shame and embarrassment that you might feel or that you're putting on yourself personally. Take the time to feel the things and then release them. I mean, I'm saying this all and I'm still working on being able to do this more quickly for myself, honestly. When you're a recovering perfectionist, it's a little bit difficult, but the reality is we won't get everything right. There literally is no possibility to do that. But I like to think that it's how we learn from those moments and continuing to persist is what's more important. After all, your business will only stop moving forward if you stop moving forward. But aside from that, to continue, this was still not the end of that shitstorm week. What's interesting, though, is that all the way up until this moment, from when we're building the business, everything was going so well for us like we're very believers in like signs and like angel numbers and things and I feel like we were very like everything is you know like the momentum is like it's pushing us in this direction and then we got hit with all these challenges which is it just felt like it came out of nowhere because we had so much momentum building yeah I think that's what also made it really difficult to accept that this was happening (laughs) that it's like when is this gonna end like when is this mercury retrograde going to end And then to follow that, so that was our biggest disaster, which then inevitably led us to deciding to delay our launch. What then happened after is we ended up receiving our packaging. Our packaging ended up being stained, which we had to then re-go into production. Luckily, they covered the cost because it's manufacturer error. After that, then we were also ordering assets for the event that we still had had planned. In retrospect, yes, we could have canceled it but a money had already gone into it and also everything had been planned and we were going to launch with our product that then got stolen so all of these things were going on and we're like okay this thing is still happening we had ordered assets for the event we received some of them and they were completely wrong and we were like what the heck is happening and then we had the market which was a whole other thing (laughs) 
Well, I mean, AJ, I feel like you had a great time again. However, I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little tired, However, but that's it. <laughs> However, yeah, it was it was a lot. And I feel like it was a lot of learning in terms of learning to pre-communicate what it was that one expectations were for team members and then to communicating expectations for what we each wanted out of the event. And I feel like things were so stressful leading into that, that none of us were prepared to even effectively be in the right mindset to communicate in the right ways. At least that's how I look at it now, like looking back. But basically, there were a lot of unhappy people surrounding the event and like what led up to having the event. And so after the actual market, which did go really well, and people really loved and enjoyed it, and it brought hundreds of people in and it was a success overall however internally it felt like it wasn't and so it followed with a lot of conversations surrounding like how we want to communicate with each other how we need to set up structure with leadership how we wanted to set up communications between leadership and other team members all of that kind of stuff because I feel like that was something that really did add to the stress and sort of the breaking points that were happening at that moment basically everything ended up snowballing and becoming a lot I mean because all of this was so chaotic and this happened within like a week two weeks of of two weeks all of this there was so much going on that it was like we didn't have space and time to have those conversations ahead of time which probably could have saved more emotional energy in the end but it was just so chaotic that we didn't have the time to prioritize those conversations. Mm-hmm. Which is another key business learning. Is to... <laughs> I will laugh every time. A key business have learning pops up. Yes. Yeah. Have those conversations. Time. Have those conversations before you are meant to have big and stressful moments where you know it's going to be hectic and chaotic in the team and make sure to preface that with communication and expectations. So we argued, we communicated, we acknowledged, we learned. And that was the semi-conclusion of that initial shitstorm. I do like to think that everything happens for a reason. And so whenever we talk about this summer or this week or two, we're like, yeah, that was a lot. Because mind you, all these things were happening simultaneously to running the business and getting everything prepped to launch marketing, content, website, admin, product dev, production, etc, etc. But they were such great learning experiences for us now when I think back to it. It definitely still was the beginning of an accumulation of hard times leading to more hard times. So we'll get on to the next moment that caused a huge shift. And to set some context, we are now at about the end of summer. Mind you, we hadn't had launched because no inventory, meaning no revenue. At this point, Nina and I were primarily living off of our savings for several months, and that definitely causes more stress. Yet, the show goes on, and we decided to go to Cosmoprof. Oh, what is Cosmoprof? (laughs) Actually, AJ, you should touch on what Cosmoprof is. (laughs) It is, I believe, one of the world's biggest um, conferences that surround manufacturing and business in the beauty space. So anyone and everyone who's anyone in the beauty space will likely be there. 
<laughs> so we're like, let's go. Yeah. So we were like, let's go. And I remember AJ at the time couldn't attend. So then Nina and I were like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. We've never gone. So let's just see what's here and see if it can We can help do it us. cheap. We can stay yeah. at Circus Circus. <laughs> yeah. So we did it like, again, scrappy. Budget. 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 We stayed at Circus Circus. Would never recommend. Uh, we took Spirit Airlines. <laughs> and this isn't to sound bougie. It was just the stress on top of the stress that comes with these things literally having a lot it's not glamorous it was not yeah, glamorous it was not glamorous yeah. it was not glamorous <laughs> but we get there and i'm gonna let nina take it from here <laughs> <laughs> so cosmoprof itself was fine it was it was perfectly fine we went we like met some people we like saw some really cool formulations it was cool that was not kind of like the issue when we were there for me personally I got a notification that I had a bunch of money coming out of my account that I did not anticipate. And this is also tax season, mind you. So a lot of money had already just left my account. And I was feeling financially very, very, very strapped. And I started feeling this way in LA pretty early on. Um, But because we delayed launch and therefore delayed making any income, I was depleting so much of my savings. I didn't expect this one notification to come about in Vegas. And that really sent me over the edge. And I remember going back to the hotel room and Mal and I had talked before about like how stressed we were about finances previously, how we both were tapping into our savings. Are you okay with spending X amount of money on this and me covering this, you covering that? And so we talked about it before, but this is the first time that we fully had like a breakdown ride and I was like I don't know if I can do this and I had never verbalized that before to Mal I verbalized that to my husband before but it was the first time that I was like is this the right life decision for me right now and I never considered that before because I trusted the process so much and I trusted everything that we were doing and as much as I still did it felt like so many of these things keep coming up that are pushing me to realize that financially this is not the best decision for me right now. And I think the hardest thing that I had to accept and that I had to learn is I was listening to all these other female founders and being like, how, how are they doing it? And they, you know, they said it was hard, but they have kids and they're doing it and they're thriving. And so I was like, it's also possible for me. And I have this group of incredible, you know, women that are helping me. And so I can do this too. But what I didn't realize, what Mel actually had me realize was, you know, that like a lot of these women probably have somebody else that's bringing in this income, their partner. And so they can kind of like take the backseat in terms of what they're contributing financially. And I hadn't realized that I wasn't in that situation and that because I've been a sole provider for my family for so long, I was just kind of used to it. But at this point, like my husband hadn't been working like he was helping me in like content creation and things like that. And that all slowed down once we like really got full force into multi. So I wasn't really making extra income on the side. I was really just living off savings. My husband hadn't been working for like a year or two. And now we're in the States. He can't work anyway. So it's not like, okay, we're struggling. Go pick up a job. He couldn't do that. And so I'm just watching all this money come out of my account and I'm just crying. I'm on the toilet seat. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And it was really scary. It was the first time that I had said that to Mal. And I think for Mal, you you were probably like, that was the first time that you saw me express that type of doubt. 
I feel like obviously in the process, we know we're stressed and we know that we're draining our bank accounts to like build this thing and not even just to drain it, to put into it, but to live, you know, and like also just living, it costs money. And in Nina's case, she has a whole ass family. Like she has her partner, she has her child too, and adding those things into it as well. So we knew that we weren't, at least for me, I had stopped actively taking on work the year prior in the fall. So I had been spend, spending about like six months just living out off of my savings. And then it was just the point at which I think, well, one, we were so stressed from everything that had just happened before that. And then getting to an environment where it was stressful AF and like not the best vibes. And then for these things to happen while we were in Vegas and that triggering that conversation, we both were literally just sitting in the circus circus or in our hotel room, just crying. And I remember Nina said that and she was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, okay, like if that's your decision, then these are the things that we can do. Either we figure this out, we move forward or this is it for you. And that's okay. Because I've always said to everyone, like, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. If this isn't for you, I don't want you to stay in it for the sake of pressure or like expectation or anything. Like, I want you to genuinely be happy in this thing that we are creating. And if it's not the right time, if it's not the right circumstances, it is what it is. And that's okay. And so we sat there and talked about that. And at the time, we were like, okay, I think Nina, you said something along the lines of, no, like, I don't want to give up. Let's figure out something. And there so was still a fight. There was still some fight. So we sat there in the hotel room, like our faces swollen and red from crying. And we were just like, okay, what can we do? And we were like, okay, here's a solution. Like we're going to be launching hopefully soon. The reality is, though, like whatever we make from our launch likely won't be a full time salary. And so we sat there and literally strategized, okay, like what are going to be the next steps? All this, you know, like what are we going to do? What does that look like? So this wasn't the first breakdown. Probably we've individually had ones on our own, ones alone, but it was the first one together, the first big one together. Actually, I guess second one, because when we had lost all of our cases, that was probably the big one. But this was the first one together where we were bawling. I remember thinking in that moment, I'm super grateful that we were and are open enough to be vulnerable with each other. Between the three of us, AJ, Nina, and I, we've always been very open with having difficult conversations. But this was a hard conversation that really shifted things. The learning here, be open enough with anyone you're building with. You are quite literally in a marriage with a baby, a business baby, and that brings up emotions, fears, doubts, but also happiness, success, all those things. But navigating all of those things makes it so much easier if you're willing to be open and honest about where you're at. And that brings us to the end of this episode. The core theme of it, this process is messy, full of failure, full of moments that make you question yourself. So be okay with that and know that is just what it is. It is a part of the process. 
oh and really love what you're creating because like i said earlier if you don't that's going to make this process really fucking hard it's funny sometimes i i'm like wow and aj and i talk about this a lot too we're like we really love what we do i must really love multi not sure how healthy that is but no matter what has happened i'm continuously like this is happening and i mean to help people feel good which is our core goal with this i guess that's not a bad thing to fight for in the next chapter chapter 2.5 because we couldn't fit everything into this chapter we bring you what i'm sure you've all been waiting for the big conversation where we decided to have a founder breakup so stay tuned tune in next thursday and we will be back with more multi then oh and don't forget to leave us a review like subscribe and uh, follow us on all channels at mydailymulti on ig at mydailymulti.com on tiktok and sign up for our waitlist to get 10% off oh well there we go slack notification but get 10% off by signing up for our waitlist on our website mydailymulti.com talk to you next week